0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. My name is Aaron and across my living room from me today is also, uh, I believe you are now the second or third Aaron I've gotten to have on the show, but please welcome to the show Aaron McClendon. Hello. Hello and welcome to my couch.
1: Thank you. It's very comfortable.
0: It's why I bought it. (laughs) I
1: bet. (laughs) I fall asleep on it just
0: about every night, like watching trash TV.
1: Yep. Sounds like (laughs) the dream.
0: (laughs) So uh, Aaron McClendon.
1: We've Aaron known chilled. each
0: other. Aaron Phillips is your technical
1: It's my legal name.
0: Okay, gotcha. But your stage name is
1: Aaron McClendon because that's my maiden name. Right. And so, because it's way easier to change your name legally than it is musically
0: which is crazy yeah (laughs) crazy trying to go through and change everything on spotify would be a nightmare
1: absolutely not
0: yeah absolutely not hard pass
1: yeah the whole rebrand idea i'm like "Mm, (laughs) no no i even asked my husband i was like do you care that i still go by urban McClendon professionally he's like no no i'm like all right cool
0: (laughs) yeah that's how you know you've got a good forward-thinking husband he's like i don't care
1: (laughs) (laughs) he said like you can like i don't care if you change your name or not just don't hyphenate it I said, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's an easy <laughs> enough. So my solution was to change my middle name to McClendon instead gotcha. of what it was before. And now I'm just Aaron McClendon Phillips gotcha. legally and completely. So either way you call me Aaron McClendon, you call me Aaron Phillips. You're right.
0: How do you even change your name? Is there some form?
1: There yeah. So there are now. Some forms sounds
0: like a lot of forms. There are
1: several forms. <laughs> you have to so there's this company that will just do it for you but they didn't exist when I got married. Well. <laughs> so now that I know about it, I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, but I literally took an entire day and you have to start at the social security office because that's a piece of paper you have to have. Because oh,
0: you'd have to get a new card.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's a piece of paper you have to have at every other stop along the way to show that you've got- taken the appropriate steps Oof. and whatnot. And the guy was so funny. I felt like Phoebe and friends when they go, so what do you want your new name to be? And I went, you literally, you really do just ask that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like, okay, so are you just going to change it to this, this, this? It's, what do you want it to be? It's like, oh. <laughs>
0: oh, shit. I actually have to have an answer for this
1: now. <laughs> right. Well, it's just funny because it's like, oh, I could be Princess Sophia Banana Hammock if I wanted to be <laughs> legally. Um. But yeah, no. So anyway, you started the social security office and then on my way from the social security office to the DMB, I called my insurance company. Oh, boy. <laughs> I called my credit card companies. Like, everybody I could possibly think of, I would call on the way in the car on my way to the next stop. Because it was that, the DMB, and the bank that I had to go in person because I had to bring my marriage certificate.
0: That's so many t- things to just try to do all at the same time. And
1: here's the thing. I also had to ch- – so I have uh, PreCheck, TSA PreCheck. Right. I had to call – uh, pre-check and get a new known traveler number and like all like in my my rapid rewards account with southwest I had to change that like oh, everything you could possibly think of that you've ever used and here's the thing
0: has your name on it
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it has your first name and last name and you have to do your legal name and it's like well shit <laughs> <laughs> It's so much. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, I'm glad that you didn't change your name too much because I will always think of you as Aaron McClendon.
1: Well, thank you. Many people do. (laughs) So
0: we start just about every episode by discussing how I met my guest. I, oddly enough, I do remember how I met you. There's a lot of my, my guests and my friends who I, unfortunately...
1: Don't remember. Don't
0: remember. The <laughs> nights get blurred together. There's so many of them, but mm-hmm. I distinctly remember meeting you. But would you please regale the the story of our meeting?
1: So, what ha- happened was <laughs> I um I was booking this bar called 404 Bar and Grill. And um, I was booking writers' rounds, and I think I posted on like Yep or one of those Facebook groups looking for people to come play. Young and
0: entertainment y- professionals.
1: We love it. <laughs> it's like a twenty thousand strong group now. It's, it's insane. Huge. It like I remember when there was like twelve hundred people in that group <laughs>
0: <laughs> when it was actually effective
1: <laughs> <laughs> for real. Um, there's some some uses, some effective uses in there. You just gotta like time it right. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Um. But you answered, and I remember very specifically in your first email, uh, I spelled your name wrong. I called you Aaron Schlib. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then I remember you changed your name on Gmail to have two dots around the I. <laughs> <laughs> I did have that for very long. I think I still have that. Uh, to be like Schilb <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, I think I triggered something. Not bad." Um, but you came and you're at four hundred four, and we became friends pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Yeah. You played, and you played a lot of shows there.
0: <laughs> I played a lot of shows there.
1: Yeah, because I had to book every Wednesday and Friday, mm-hmm. every single week.
0: You you were one of the first people that ever booked me in town. Really? Yeah. You and uh, there was one other girl named uh, Charissa, I believe was her name, Carissa or Charissa, mm-hmm. something like that. She booked me for my very first round at this bar that is now a hookah lounge called South. It was on the Demumbrian Hill.
1: Yeah, I used to party at South. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you worked
1: there? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I played my very first round there and I played my very first artist showcase there. But gosh, it closed not 6 months or so after I moved here. It was it was closed very shortly thereafter. Really?
1: It was around for a while because I remember in college I'd go there a lot. Okay. Like college and post-college, uh, single girl days, um, we'd always like either end up at South or we'd start at South, but like Demumbrian, that mm-hmm. was the spot.
0: I, I, yeah, I mean, since then it's been several other things, but yeah. it's, a, it's a hookah lounge now. <laughs> a smoke it is. bar. Yeah. No, I haven't been back.
1: You, you will never find me in a hookah lounge. <laughs> Hard no.
0: Hard <laughs> no. Hard pass. I mean, I get, I get like
1: graspy throated. If I'm around somebody who's smoking, <laughs> I know. Oh my god, I like. I'm so allergic to smoke. It's not even funny. Really? Yeah, I can't even be around vape. Wow. Yeah, it's just like because I know vape is literally just like water vapor, but the smell. People are like it doesn't smell like anything. Oh, I don't even yeah, want the smell. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and
0: when people get all up in arms, like, oh well, it's not even, it's not even smoke. I'm like, it's water vapor, sure, but I don't want to smell like a grape. Like, yeah, you're, or like you're, stale
1: cotton candy.
0: Ugh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why people think that mm, it tastes and smells so good. Like, no, it's disgusting. Yeah, it, it smells like it smells like syrup because yeah.
1: it is. <laughs> I I had to make a rule uh, with my my band. To be like, you can't smoke in my car. You can't vape in my car. Mm-hmm. Like Hard no. No. We're in this car for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Get over <Please> it. don't. <laughs> it's like, this is work. You don't smoke like, in the car. We will be office. making
1: stops in a in a, just every couple hours. Do it there. Not in my car.
0: We'll give you five minutes outside. Yeah. And then when you come back in smelling like a stale watermelon,
1: oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
0: But the 404 is yeah. that place still alive? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't been there in years.
1: I haven't been, but it's like I live right by it. Do you really? Um. So I live in South Nashville. Um. And if you if I go up Nolansville for any reason, I pass. Did you it.
0: bartend there for a while too? No. You just booked their rounds.
1: <laughs> yeah. Gosh. A friend of mine. Uh, how that started was a friend of mine, Lindsay, was a bartender. She had just started bartending there. Um. And so I went on her first night just to support her, and that's how I got introduced to the owners and they're like well they're like yeah we want to bring in live music and she goes well she plays music she can probably book us i was like okay (laughs) so for what was it that's
0: one of those places so for those of you listening who haven't heard me say it before 404 barn grill is actually the birthplace of nashville tour stop
1: it is we had
0: i believe it was five or six shows there before the owners said it was a terrible a terrible That we had like five or six shows there before the owners said that it was a terrible idea and that nobody came and was like, well, yeah, it's brand new. Nobody knows who I am. Yeah, of course, no one's gonna be here. Yeah, and look at us now. You're look listening you to now. me talk about people telling me how this was a bad idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look at you now. You got a neon I get sign to stick and everything. It to the man. Yeah. And to be fair, he wasn't exactly the brightest bulb in the chandelier
0: that was a long time ago. It was. you're one of the only people in my life now who remembers me from my days of uh my band
1: yeah r i p yeah actually i don't I don't really care <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's it's so funny still having because I, I think it's maybe you and John Hollier and Gosh, not many people even remember that I was in a band at this point. Really? All of the people in my life now just know me as like Aaron, that guy who runs the round Nashville of Nashville tour, tour, tour Stop. Stop. Yeah. Like they they didn't even know that I played the guitar. Like I've got this fancy electric guitar hanging on my wall behind me, but I played a one-song feature at Tin Roof last week. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. Yeah. People literally came up to me afterwards like, how long have you played the guitar like that? I said, well, like 15 years.
1: Yeah. I remember like when you first played, I was like, oh, he can play. I can play. He's very good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I don't ever do that now. Yeah. This is my life is talking to my friends over the microphone in my couch.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) People don't. Okay. So funny enough, like with my showcases, music on the move, people don't realize I perform. Mm hmm. They're like, well, are you going to play? Do you do a set? I'm like, yes, I host it, I, the beginning and the end. Yep. Like, uh, I'm of here the I'm whole time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so funny having hosted as many shows as I have at this point. When I get a new venue who's interested in working with tour stop, they say, "Well, we've had people do this in the past where they just book it and they don't even show up." I'm like, yeah, that's my ga- my the whole point is me being there. Yeah, you're not paying just for the name of the show you're paying for me to be there and yeah take care of it it's my baby i'm not going to drop my baby off at a bar (laughs) exactly
1: you have a baby in a bar (laughs) little sweet home alabama for y'all yeah you have a baby in In a a bar bar. So oh, tell Lord. us
0: more about Music on the Move. You you started your showcase. This is a whole thing you do now.
1: It is a whole thing I do now. So back in 2019 is when we started, and it was at Exit In, and... Um,
0: it was just a one-off showcase at that point, right?
1: Quarter, well, the first one the was. The very first one. The first one was, and I was like, okay, well, we'll just see how this goes, because I was handed my own show, mm-hmm. and not really handed. I mean, I asked for it a lot. <laughs> right. Um, and they finally said yes, and... Um, I was like, "Well, shit! Exit in's 500 cap venue. I can't bring mm-hmm. that many people." Um, so I invited my friends Lexi Larson and Katie Baseden to sing with me. And because I despise set changes, like the load in, load out of it all, it just, it's just—it's so it's a much. A lot of logistics. It's a lot of logistics, and it's also just uh, the energy dies
0: very in very short order too.
1: Yeah. And so I was like, okay, house band. And because I have an all female lineup, let's do an all female house band. Why not? Um, and then it occurred to me, hey, you have to pay the band. So that's why we have the vendors. They pay a vendor fee and that goes straight to the Hellcats. That's cool. So we have all locally owned, uh, women owned uh pop up shops.
0: They're just paying for a little slot to come sell their stuff. Mm-hmm. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Um and it's it like goes a to very mini
0: uh, a mini mini festival inside of a venue.
1: It is. Um, and it's super fun. The next one is March twentieth. At the Basement East. Uh, please come. <laughs> please buy your tickets now. Use code HELLCAT at the nice. checkout. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it just turned into this thing where afterwards I just felt so great. And I was like, this is cool. I want to do this again. And Hosting the next, shows is awesome. <laughs> it is. It's so, And my dumb ass, the first cu- couple that we did, I, um, <laughs> I also performed in the house band. I sang backup mm-hmm. and Played Tambourine. That was a dumb idea. Yep, I did it four showcases in a row because it became quarterly. The it's last so much, it's so much to learn all of their songs and also like be watching the venue to see like if there's anything I need to do. I don't need to be on stage the whole time. Yep, I just thought like it'd be cool if I sang backup, and now I'm like, no one cares.
0: Mm-mm. No you one cares. You have to be there to manage the event.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's I'll why I my... don't
0: perform at tour stop shows very often anymore. Is because if something goes wrong in the five to 60 minutes, I'm on stage, Mm -hmm. then it's on me because Mm -hmm. I wasn't watching. Mm
1: -hmm. So I
0: love being able to just micromanage everything. And most of the time, these things run themselves. Yeah. Especially in Nashville. Writers rounds can pretty much run themselves. Yeah. But sometimes in times like you and I have done this, it's nice having – if somebody does have a question, go talk – actually, in this case, go talk to Aaron. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In both cases, go talk to Aaron. Um and it's cool because my um music on the move has kind of involved, uh, evolved into this whole um kind of ecosystem because I met my business partner Katie Thompson through our showcases. She played the July 2019 showcase okay. as a Hellcat.
0: That was the very first one?
1: Mm-mm, first one was January of 2019. Okay. Um so we did January, April, July, October. Sweet. And then the last one at Exit In was January of 2020. Cool. And we had the next one booked for April of 2020. What, I
0: wonder what happened. To I, don't a know, of that.
1: I know. <laughs> I know. I um, know. But Katie and I just became really good friends and we started um, trading voice lessons and guitar lessons back and forth and we finally just decided like cuz we were sending students to each other too I just said why don't we just start a company like a virtual music education studio cool. and that way we can actually like instead of referring to each other like we are and acting independently we can help each other um and through that just building that she said you know i've always wanted to start a podcast i said go for it we have you know how we have now we have all these artists that we've had on our showcases we've had all these people that we know Let's go ahead and go for it. Um, and then once um, Kate, my assistant, came on, she started writing the blog. And so it's just kind of like snowballed that's into cool. this whole thing. So we're excited.
0: It's, what are, what are some of the, the difficult parts of having started a showcase, especially one that's not weekly?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, are, what are some of the things that early on you, you struggled to, to get over like the, the the initial hump of starting something?
1: Um, gosh, promotion, (laughs) marketing, (laughs) it's not my forte. And so I pay someone else to do it for me. But also, um, it's interesting because like, you know, finding sponsors is super hard. It's
0: very difficult asking people for money.
1: Yeah. Especially like there's a lot of people when you, unfortunately, when you just like brand yourself as female only you kind of put yourself in a corner as to like who can actually sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean, if like somebody were to come up and say, hey, I'm not a like female-owned company, but I would love to give you all this money, sure. But I need to look and see if you're actually doing things to empower women right. through your company.
0: It 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 it's it starts getting really difficult. Like that's that's one of the things that I encourage, especially people who are new to running shows because they people ask me all the time how do you get sponsors and i'm like well part of it is branding and if you call your show the aaron mclendon girl power show at this venue then you've for a thousand reasons narrowed down like what you're allowed to work with mm-hmm. and I've, I've gotten slack sometimes because they're like nashville tour stop is such a generic name I'm like yes it is but you know who i'm allowed to work with
1: everyone everyone yeah
0: and that's one of the reasons that i will attribute some of my success is like that i don't want to call my own show generic but it's because i'm allowed to do anything yeah i can i can flex and fit into just about any situation yeah
1: well part of the reason why we changed the name from women on fire to music on the move was because it was more generic right um and also, because Women on Fire was already trademarked, so <laughs> <laughs> that that wasn't great.
0: <laughs> did you did you go through a series of different names that you were thinking about re, when you were doing that at first, like rebrand other names that you were thinking about putting on the name? Um, of the show well, place? at the
1: time, so <laughs> I was um, working with a company who wanted to make a TV show, okay, based off of what we did, and. They kept like shooting me these names and T V H they honestly sucked. But um like People one of them make was like
0: naming stuff really, really difficult.
1: Yeah. And I just I kept being like, What's wrong with women on fire? Like, why? So, well, it could mean a lot of different things. I'm like, I'm not literally lighting women on fire. <laughs> like, it, it just means they're they're, you know, hot. They're doing good. Like, not hot isn't attractive, right. but like their music is fire as right. the kids say um but they're also like if that pops up on a screen nobody's going to know it's a music show so mm-hmm. it will be if we do our branding correctly <laughs> um again branding but then of course <laughs> then of course it's like oh by the way that's already trademarked and it's like well shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how many how many shows a year are you doing right now
1: um, this year we are only going to do two showcases. Okay. Two full band showcases. Um, one this month and then the next one's going to be October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Sweet. Um, this month is Women's History Month. So I figured March was a great time. That's cool. And it's also like close enough to like festival and concert season that we aren't really like butting heads with any major shows mm-hmm. except for the one that just got announced at Pritchett. That is a
0: huge part of my business, especially with how often I put on shows.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Trying to figure out what are the big show who's playing at bridgestone tonight and then booking artists that i think wouldn't be going to that show yeah. or people who are friends with that artist who might not give a shit that whoever is playing
1: so you wanna we know. do have
0: to we do have to watch carefully
1: we do and here's the thing i thought march 20th was a fail-proof date because it's a monday right, right? guess what got announced at bridgestone on march 20th what's that the LGBTQ charity show <laughs> with Jason Isbell, Brittany Spencer, the oh, Brothers I Osborne. I did see that. And like, I'm not mad that they're doing it. Right. I'm just mad that they picked my night. <laughs> <laughs> like, I fully believe in what they're doing. I think it's fantastic. Right. But I'm like... Why a Monday? Of all shows, everyone knows, like, it's Thursday through Saturday. That's your prime time.
0: That's your big concert night.
1: Why a Monday? That's my (laughs) night. Monday is for us little
0: local people.
1: Come on. (laughs) I've had this show booked for, like, six months. So... (laughs) So
0: you you've got these showcases that are happening but what made you early on want to get into music just in general not necessarily being a promoter of an event but what oh, man. what got you what got you into music as a kid?
1: I have been singing since I can remember. Really? Yeah. Um my mom said I was singing before I was talking. Okay. Just as like a wee baby. And um I don't know why I said it like that but <laughs> 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 But um I like you know, like everybody else in the South, I grew up singing in church. Um, and every school I went to had a choir and like, you know, the kids were forced to sing in like kindergarten and stuff. Um, and I just really, really enjoyed it. And in like fourth grade, I was given my first solo. (laughs) Um, it was candle on the water. Is that right? I don't remember. Uh, I think that was my first solo, but like it was just this moment where, like, I got a microphone and I sang and people were like, you're really good at that. And I'm like, oh, okay. You're like,
0: oh, maybe I am. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And ever since, like, it, we would play, like, the board game Life or whatever. And I would literally just, like, dig through the cards of careers and pick out singer. They're <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this is the only option. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so if singing started that early in your life, when, when did, like... It, it, because I mean, I grew up in the church playing mm-hmm. in the band and singing in the choir and everything. And then I started choir in school. But there was like, there's all most people have like a watershed moment where mm-hmm. you decide like this, this is what I want to do. And not just not as a hobby, but mm-hmm. like, I have to I have to follow this path in life. Do you have one of those that that really just changed your core human being? I do you have a core memory?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's not necessarily like a memory it's just like when I realized you could major in music in college mm-hmm. and um up until that point like I didn't know what I was gonna do I thought maybe like oh I'll just do like music education or something and then I found Belmont where I could major in the music I actually wanted to sing don't get me wrong like I love classical music I love singing classically Um, but
0: it's a bubble that classical music lives in.
1: It is. It is a bubble and it's a very niche market and there's only so much money to be made. Most of the money's in Europe.
0: I mean, even some of the most talented like classical players in Nashville, people working for the Nashville Symphony mm-hmm. are still doing session work mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they can make m- more money. Yeah. Doing simple session work, playing the violin.
1: Yeah. So, I found Belmont and it was just like this, oh, I can actually pursue a career as an artist and and not like have to have a backup plan
0: which this is plan a yeah (laughs) what did you study what was your degree in
1: uh commercial voice with an emphasis in music business
0: did you did you complete the degree i did i know several people start and they're like nah
1: yeah no (laughs) i i wanted i wanted that degree i wanted to like be knowledgeable because until i got to belmont i couldn't read music really yeah
0: that's that's incredible yeah. <laughs> so many so many people who go to Belmont have especially getting into pr- music programs like that, they have to have a pre-existing knowledge of like how to read sheet music.
1: Mm-hmm. And I could, but I was sitting there going, "Every good boy does fine." A. E, every good boy B. Every good- okay. <laughs>
0: every good boy does fine. Yes. <laughs> F A C E face. Okay, great.
1: Yes. Um <laughs> Got it. Golf balls
0: uh, don't fly away. Bass clef.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just thinking uh, about what I was taught for the orders of sharps. And I, it's not okay to say on that.
0: <laughs> Charting music is not for everybody.
1: No. No, it is not. Um, But until I got – I think it was like my senior year – of high school, they told me, hey, you have to have voice lessons for at least a year in order to be even considered for a music program. It's
0: like a primary instrument.
1: Yeah. So I took voice lessons for a little bit, and um, I mean, it was fine. But the cool thing about Belmont is that they didn't care that I couldn't read music. If I had a good ear and good intuition, they're like, that that can be taught. That's cool. Yeah. They weren't snobby. You
0: can't teach someone to have a good ear.
1: It's, no. It's, it's in you. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and it is in you. I mean, half of the classes are ear training. Right. It's literally in the curriculum. <laughs> aural
0: training was the worst part of my collegiate experience.
1: Oh, I bet. <laughs>
0: oh, because of the deaf, I swear. <laughs> Trying to explain to an aural training instructor, when they play me the melody, they're like, sing it back. I was like, nope, can't. I can't. They're like, no, I just played it. I said, yes, I understand that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I understand, I
0: saw your fingers going, but my ears at least before I had my cochlear implant, mm-hmm. uh, my ears heard two different pitches. Really? At the same time. My right ear hears notes between a quarter tone and a half tone sharp. So I could never sing in tune
1: oh. when when I
0: had both ears because they were constantly fighting. So singing in tune, I really had to practice like ignoring what my right ear heard, which oh, was God, my that's good so ear. Oh, so hard.
1: Yeah. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm mostly deaf in this ear. I, right I didn't here? know that either. Yeah.
0: So look at us, couple of <laughs> deaf errands.
1: Couple of deaf errands. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like I I was born with the eardrum stuck to the bone. Okay. Um, so it doesn't vibrate correctly. Um, but it's also always ringing. Mm-hmm. Like always. I don't know any different, so I didn't know that was weird. Right. Um, like you you know you have surgeries as a kid to fix it, and then it. Never just goes all away. of a
0: sudden yeah like my my hearing got progressively worse as i got older
1: mm-hmm. i only
0: started noticing it when i was like 10 or 11 years old yeah and i was getting marks on my report cards that aaron doesn't pay attention in class i was or getting aaron, those too aaron ignores aaron ignores selective me when I talk to hearing
1: her. yeah it's like, i'm not choosing to ignore you i cannot hear it's like you. oh i didn't
0: hear you talking to me and i so vividly remember a teacher yelling at me in school i was like Fifth grade or something, a teacher Aww. yelling at me because uh, they thought I wasn't paying attention. And I had just that day gotten back from the hearing doctor. Like I took, I had an MRI as a kid where yeah. they're like, oh no, you actually have like noticeable, measurable hearing loss. And a teacher yelled at me for not paying attention. And I was like, I'm deaf. I just got back from the doctor. And oh, seeing the oh my defeated God. look in that teacher made me feel powerful.
1: I bet it did. Oh.
0: Nothing like making a person in an authority position mm-hmm. realize, like, oh, maybe I should check check myself before I wreck oh, myself. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I very specifically remember one teacher, like, getting really annoyed at me. And I had so much respect for this teacher, but I found out she talked so much crap about me. What? Because um, she would tell, like, other teachers, like, she's super sensitive. Uh, she doesn't listen and like she was the one who brought it up to my mom she's like she has selective hearing and my mom's like she can't hear you
0: she's literally deaf
1: but i was also like a super shy anxious kid so Mm -hmm. instead of sitting at the front of the class i'd always sit in the back and when they made me sit at the front i was terrified because i was so close to the person and it's just like (laughs) maybe and this like i've seen teachers like make those mistakes like that one and like I think that's one of the reasons I'm always just like I ask people things and like wait.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> to be like did they hear me did they not hear me or like you 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 can't be afraid to like double check. Mm-hmm. Right? And I just I just have the utmost patience with people cuz like when when a person in authority doesn't have patience it just like I still get
0: people being impatient with me now. People like even my friends who know I'm deaf. If I have to ask you to repeat yourself four times, I'm sorry, it's loud. We're in a venue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you (laughs) were like, here's the thing I don't think people understand. If you are not facing me, oh your sound is not coming towards me. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. (laughs) I got nothing.
0: At my old <laughs> if office. I can't read.
1: You, oh, my God. The pandemic. Can
0: You You can't read lips?
1: I can't. Like, if I can sometimes, but, like, I have to actively stare at somebody. Right. If it's really loud, I try to read their lips so I can try to understand what they're saying. But during the pandemic. It makes people really
0: uncomfortable looking at their lips.
1: It does. And it's like, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to understand Same
0: as, as when people look at my hearing aids. They'll, they'll look right past my eyeball. And I can see that. And, like, I know you're not looking at me. I know you're looking at my ear. Like, it, stop. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. So I, I have gone to the point where I'll, I'll take my hearing it out and say, like, this is what it looks like. <laughs> I know you, you're looking at it. Here's what it looks like. Give yeah. me a second. I'll put it back in and then look at me in my eyes.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When, when
0: so when did you first learn that you had had that eardrum problem? Was it just a br- oh, from birth first, problem? Su- yeah, it was from birth. Okay. Like
1: my first surgery was when I was a baby.
0: So you really haven't known anything com- ever. Nope anything ever different
1: nope
0: that's been the hardest part of my progressive hearing loss is just continually having to relearn how to operate with what i have currently Mm -hmm. and fortunately the stuff that i've got now is about the finish line as it gets yeah can't can't lose much more than what i've got left which is (laughs) zero so when i got the implant in my left ear One of the things they waited until literally the last minute to tell me was, oh, by the way, after the operation, you'll lose all of the remaining hearing in your left ear. I was like, hey, maybe you should have told me that before I'm on the OR table.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're like, yeah, sorry. We should have told you. It's like, yes, that seems like a big one. Yeah. Because I still had like 25% of my hearing remaining in my left ear. And after the operation, hard zero.
1: Wow. Hard zero. Wow. So I could stand
0: next to a jet turbine and it'd be quiet. Oh. But it's also nice. You I'm can say, You don't to need relate.
1: noise-canceling headphones ever, do you?
0: It's <laughs> nice on airplanes or stuff yeah. where babies start crying. That's mm. not my problem.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> your your child being uncomfortable. Let it cry. That's I'll just fine. take my ears out.
1: That's fine. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when
0: did you move to Nashville?
1: I moved here in two thousand and eight.
0: Okay. So that was for your freshman year at Belmont. Did Mm -hmm. you do all four years at Belmont Mm -hmm.
1: then? I did, I did. I've been here. It'll be fifteen years in August.
0: That's incredible. Have you have you loved living here?
1: I have. Loved and hated. But (laughs) there's
0: there is a lot of both ways to feel about it.
1: Yeah. And it's mostly just because of the price of everything. It's It's like I love expensive to live here. I love living here because of what I do. I love living here because of the opportunities that I can have here. And but I I hate how much it is to live here. Like how expensive it is. My husband and I are looking for a house right now. And with what we can afford, it's like, well,
0: <laughs> well, I can afford to live in a shoebox.
1: Right. And you you got to look like 30 45 minutes outside of the city just to find yeah. something even remotely reasonable, you know?
0: And it's it's kind of disheartening realizing it is. that it's only going to get more expensive yeah the 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 way that expenses of like homes and just basic necessities is exponentially increasing versus the very nominal increase in pay
1: mm-hmm. it's hard
0: to kind of grapple with the reality of how hard it is to be a musician in Nashville yeah now even yeah. more so than 10 years ago yeah, because I mean, or, or six years ago, I moved here in 2017 and my first apartment in Antioch cost 800 bucks a month.
1: Mm-hmm. It was a two
0: bedroom apartment. And that was $800 a month. The same place yeah. now I guarantee would cost 12 to 1400.
1: Yeah, I remember I was living in a two was it a two or three? it was a two bedroom apartment um, in Berry Hill. I was in a one bedroom that I think I was paying like seven hundred dollars a That's month. That's crazy. For. Yeah. And then I moved to a two bedroom and it was nine hundred dollars a month.
0: That's only like two hundred dollars more.
1: Yeah. For two bedrooms. And then I got a roommate, so it was even cheaper. But like now I I couldn't even tell you how much it costs. Like people are playing paying a grand a mm-hmm. month. And I'm just like, where do you find that money?
0: <laughs> I isn't isn't it an old saying where you're supposed to spend thirty three percent of your income. Or 30% of your income on housing or rent. Mm-hmm. And I see some of these places that are like $6,000 a month. Yeah. I'm like, where does that come from?
1: How? How? What industry are you in?
0: <laughs> and how do I quit music to do that?
1: Right. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. So many of my friends who are musical have gone into real estate. Because mm-hmm. that is honestly where a ton of money is right now. Right. I'm like, should I get my real estate license? <laughs> but honestly, I think I'd hate myself.
0: But And it's so even more disheartening realizing now that as independent and like day job worker people who have W-2s and the bank statements and everything, it's so much easier for them to get approved for a, a loan than it yeah. is self-employed people like us yeah. where we have to have not only just like – account balance statements for a year but we've got to send on our tax returns and mm-hmm. all this other stuff mm-hmm. and our tax returns are terrible to look at they are terrible because you then all of a sudden realize how little you actually make
1: right and the thing is like you know on a week-to-week basis you're like cool so i play uh, this gig downtown pretty regularly it's like cool i made 150 bucks this week uh as a guarantee plus all these tips but i'm not gonna claim those tips Mm -hmm. um no one does um but it's like okay cool that's that's enough for like groceries this week that's awesome and then on top of everything else i make but then you look at like what you actually profit it's dollars. Like, this is what I made this year. Cool. After expenses and everything, I made ten dollars. I
0: did my taxes over the weekend. I still and have to do mine. Doing your taxes as a self-employed person is the worst. It's
1: the worst.
0: It took oh so I have to balance all of my income and everything and mm-hmm. spreadsheets. And just doing the spreadsheet portion of my day, uh it was it took me all of Friday and all of Saturday. I think I spent a combined total of like 15 hours doing my taxes yeah. and my brother bless his heart he's like man it took you that long like yes
1: i'm self-employed i'm sorry
0: <laughs> that i don't have one w2 from I my know. one job oh my god where i get to type in one thing and then turbo is like congratulations here's your refund
1: i know instead
0: of seeing the scary minus sign with the it's like this is how much you owe
1: right right i just recently hired a new cpa here in town um and thank God I did because he's super smart. <laughs> he's like, here's everything you can write off. I'm like, okay, yay. Um, but like, just just like you said, the spreadsheet and just going through everything. Like I have all these apps that I use to track everything and just
0: bookkeeping like bookkeeping is tedious.
1: It's just the worst. it sucks. It does suck. It sucks so much. And I used to do um, expense tracking for a couple other people just as like a side hustle. And so like I know how to do it. But the the sitting down, getting all my receipts and just adding that up, it's terrible.
0: That's what I did all of Saturday.
1: It's coming up for me. I had 12 I had months keep- of receipts. My last ten ninety nine just came in. So it's like oh. oh, okay. I have no more excuses.
0: Yeah. See, I uh I got all of my tax documents and then I started doing my taxes over the weekend only to realize one of my clients didn't send me a ten ninety nine. So I had to go back because TurboTax was like, You had like a huge loss for the year. And like, that's not what my spreadsheet says. Yeah. And I had to go back and audit it. To be like, oh, where God. where am I losing all of this money? Where yeah. where did this not come through? And it's just one of the clients that I hired, or that hired me didn't send me tax documents, and yeah. Ugh, yeah. that's why it's so important to yeah. keep track of this. Because if I hadn't kept my spreadsheet, yeah, all of a sudden I would have my my heart would have sunk to my stomach and be like, well, yeah, guess guess my company's not doing as well as I thought it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Oh, God. On the,
0: Today on this episode of It's Hard Being in Nashville. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've done nothing but complain.
0: <laughs> so here on that note, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll come back and talk about more of the future of music on the move and maybe some more of the uh, Aaron McClendon music. Yeah. How's that sound? Sounds great. That sounds great. Well, we'll come right back with the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. And we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. I've got Erin McClendon sitting across my living room from me today on my big comfy couch. Hello. We've got uh, fresh coffee. Took it a minute to brew.
1: It did, but it's delicious.
0: It's it's Starbucks. Uh, Hashtag this is not an ad.
1: (laughs) Hashtag not an ad, but hey, it could be. Hmm. Starbucks if you're listening.
0: I get asked all the time being in my line of work, like working in bars and shows, Erin, if you had to give up alcohol or coffee, which one would you do? And I say alcohol every time.
1: Alcohol. I would. I
0: look forward to having coffee in the morning.
1: Uh-huh. I don't
0: crave a beer at the end of the day. No. I would miss coffee if I didn't have it in the morning. Though.
1: I'd be so upset. You know what sucks is about being a woman? What's that? Uh, when you're pregnant, you can't have coffee. <gasps> or alcohol. Or
0: alcohol. Especially that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially the alcohol part. I think you can have like, it gets to a certain part, like a certain, I don't know, I've never been pregnant and I'm not pregnant now, Um, but a certain like moment in the pregnancy where you can have like one cup. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I drink at least two a day and the whole routine, like I make my coffee very particularly, like I have all these like fancy things. They're not really that fancy. How do you
0: normally them. take it if you're preparing it for yourself?
1: For myself. So I put collagen in it. And then – because we got to keep the skin looking plump. Um, <laughs> I do that, and then I put in um, – I have these Jordan Skinny Syrups. Have you heard of that brand? It's just like a sugar-free syrup mm-hmm. that's uh, – I think the one I have right now is caramel. Um, I just kind of change flavors as I run out. Um, and then I put in a little bit of cinnamon and then a little bit of vanilla and A little almond. bit of cinnamon is a
0: nice touch to some mm-hmm. coffee grounds. Mm-hmm. I did that for a long time.
1: Um. And if I, if it's like, you know, Saturday morning or something, sometimes I'll have a little cocoa powder. So it kind of tastes like caramel chocolate That's with cool. a little bit of cinnamon, um, almond milk, pour some, in, pour in some hot coffee, froth it up and then pour in the rest of the coffee.
0: Oh, that sounds great.
1: Yeah. It sounds like it takes a while, but it really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it down.
0: I, I have loved my morning coffee since I was in college. Like I learned mm-hmm. to drink it because I was trying to impress a girl.
1: Really? Yeah, I was trying to impress
0: a girl who worked at a coffee place. Oh, She when I asked her out, she said, "Oh no, thank you." Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so it didn't work, but it did catch me onto the oh, no. the the trend of loving coffee. Yeah. And this is this is my favorite part of my day now. Yeah. I love I love the sound of the pot bubbling. Mm-hmm. I love the smell of it.
1: Mm-hmm. The grinding
0: of the beans. It's a whole. It's my morning ritual now.
1: Yeah, exactly, and like. My, our coffee pot, when it's done brewing, it beeps. So I put, and thankfully my husband wakes up before me and makes the (laughs) coffee usually. (laughs) Um, but I'll just like, I can start to smell it and then I'll wait till I hear the beep and I was like, all right, I'm out of bed. Let's go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about music on the move a little bit more. Yes. You have, you've been doing this for a little while now, but what are some of the things you would like for your company to accomplish? What are your, there's, there's different kinds of goals we use creatives have what are some of the both personal and professional goals you would like to see uh, have happened for music on the move
1: so basically um the other day when I did my interview with today in Nashville um, they asked me why all female and I was talking about how wh- when I first got into the music industry I just saw like like all of these women had this competitive energy about them and it was just like we were all fighting for a spot at the table because there weren't that many for women and there still aren't to this mm-hmm. day. And so instead of fighting, I just made my own table. And with music on the move, I just, you know how like you host writer's rounds. You go to a writer's round on a Friday night and it's all dudes. Nobody blinks an eye. You go. They're all wearing all
0: black t-shirts with a cross necklace with the, the black hats. backwards hat.
1: Yep. Jeans.
0: Yep. Boots. Jeans and boots.
1: Sometimes white sneakers. I know
0: 10,000 of those guys.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, that's not, an anomaly, but you go and it's an all-female thing. Like, that's cool. You're empowering women. And there's this Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote when somebody asked her how many is enough women on the Supreme Court, and she said, when there are nine. And that's kind of my approach to this is I'm going to keep doing it the way I'm doing it until it's not an anomaly anymore. Right. And it's it's important to me, you know? Um. When I was kind of coming up with the idea for the company as a whole – Um, my business coach, Lindsay Kirkendall said, who do you want to be? Like, what do you want to be? If you were to name like three people, um, and I said, Brene Brown, uh, Michelle Obama (laughs) (laughs) and Glennon Doyle, like all these like empowering people. And I, I want to be that for women in the music industry, you know, that's cool. I'm not really a motivational speaker. I sing songs, (laughs) but I just you
0: can motivate people with your actions.
1: Exactly. It's just I want to create space for women as many spaces as I possibly can. And I want music education not to be a luxury for people. I want it to be something to where they aren't constantly fighting for kids to have music education in schools. Right. Um and I I just really really believe firmly that like this is what I'm supposed to be doing like personally. Um but as a company, I just want Music on the Move to turn into this Household name, kind of like Nashville Tour Stop has. People ask, like, "What do you do when you first move to Nashville?" Well, you get in touch with Aaron Schilb and you get on you Nashville Tour, Tour Stop. Stop. Yeah, it's um, part.
0: Of, it's part of the like a like a what are they called in office space the the piece of flair. Yeah, like it's a badge of honor. <laughs> like you just, you, it's one of the things you do. Yeah, just like playing bill court for us as young songwriters in Nashville. Like that was like you just that was what you did. One of those places you play.
1: Yeah. And like getting involved with the, I want people to be like, oh, I want to get involved with music on the move. Um, I would love, and this is like, you know, down the road, I would love for music on the move to become a festival one day. That'd be sweet. Just an, an all, all female festival. Yeah. An all female festival to have all women owned businesses and like food trucks and stuff. And I, it would be amazing. That's awesome. Thank you. Kind of like Brandy Carlisle does down in Mexico.
0: Brandon Carlisle has been good about doing stuff like that, and there's a lot yeah. of that's one of the things that I love about the industry right now. That I think it is kind of changing. The temperature is changing in in our industry a touch because people are becoming more aware that we we can do stuff differently. Yeah, we've been so comfortable with the black jeans, the black shirt, the black hat. we've yeah. been so comfortable with that flavor of country music that mm-hmm. people didn't want to try anything different. Yeah, and. Tour Stop is trying to do a lot of that same stuff is I, I don't mind country music. I don't love it personally, but I love it professionally. And yeah. I can book some people like that, but I also want to give opportunity to the people who might not be afforded that opportunity otherwise.
1: Exactly. And that's why music on the move has never been genre specific. We've always picked artists who like they sound good together and that's the only stipulation. That's it. And, um, like we've had Latina artists, we've had rock, we've had pop, we've had, obviously we've had country, um, we've had Americana, we've had rap. And the interesting thing about the thing I discovered about rap music in Nashville is that it's, it's, and Lord Goldie is an incredible rapper. You should look her up. But I asked her, I said, so tell me about the rap scene in Nashville. Like how long has it been here? She's like, it's always been here. It's just been pushed underground. Yeah.
0: And two of two or three of my biggest shows I've ever promoted have been hip hop shows mm-hmm. because they're not provided an opportunity to do that otherwise. And if you finally give, I don't want to even say like an underrepresented thing, but an underrepresented genre like that, if you give it a platform, people
1: love it. Well, the thing is, in Nashville, it is underrepresented because yeah. everybody knows this is country music. It's, it's you know, different. And it people is love different. going to
0: see stuff that's different.
1: Yeah, it is, and. As women, unfortunately, like we have to fight to be like, hey, come see our show and learn why we're doing this. Right, You know, it's I mean, if you saw an all guy lineup at a different venue, like <laughs> they're just like, oh, yeah, let's go to that. Those look like good artists. When I'm like, hey, look, all female, everything. And we have pop up markets and we're doing giveaways. I feel like like we as women have to do more mm-hmm. in order to just stay afloat. Right. You know.
0: One of the things that uh, it's been several years now, but people uh, early on were complaining about tour stops. It's like, oh, you never do like all female takeovers, and it's like it goes to show how little you know about my company because I've been doing girl power nights for yeah. years. Yeah, I love to do stuff like that because girls don't sing about trucks. Yeah, I, uh, some do, but not. It's it's not like listening to a you could be, you could play bingo. At some of these writers' <laughs> rounds, with country song cliches, yeah, because they're writing a a mad lib, just basically fill out rural noun with a simple adjective to quote Bo Burnham. But so much of country <laughs> music is just fill out the the adjective and the noun and your girl's name.
1: Yeah, pretty and much.
0: It's boring. And yeah. I know you, as a songwriter, have probably gone to a round. And they tell you what it's called, and then you already know the hook. Yep. Because it's not original anymore.
1: No. But people love it. Which is apparent. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I'm not knocking it. There are some really great male artists out there. There really are. Like Luke Combs.
0: That's the first one I was going to go to.
1: An incredible songwriter, artist, performer. I've been lucky enough to meet him. He's a great guy. Um, he's now a dad.
0: That seems to be a common denominator between a bunch of the people that we actually do enjoy, not just their music being good, but the fact that you know that they are a good person.
1: Yeah. And I've honestly, there have been artists, cause you know, the nature of Nashville, you're going to run into your favorite artist at some point mm-hmm. in some capacity. I've honestly stopped listening to some people that I worship for years because they were an absolute dick to me. Yeah. And it's just like, you are a waste of my time now
0: i i have met a couple of celebrity country musicians and they're not they're not cool yeah Th- they're glorified and i i walked up to one who shall remain nameless at a bar and i walked up and said hey my friend over there is just a huge fan doesn't want to bother you if you can just give her a wave and this guy goes well, why the f- wouldn't she come talk to me herself I'm like whoa okay bye
1: wow yeah
0: and I'm like Man, it would have taken you less time to give her a, a a short wave than it would for you to have to said that whole mean thing to me. Yeah, and that's that's what we have to deal with.
1: Yeah. So oh. it's
0: harsh trying to realize that some of these famous musicians they really are just giant jerks. Yeah. And why I love getting to support people who may not be giant musicians, but I know that they're nice. Good people, yeah, it's that it's cool is supporting like that.
1: The number one piece of advice I give everyone who asks me, like, if I'm moving to Nashville, what advice would you give? And I say, Be kind, you will get a lot farther being kind than you will having an ego because this town is small and no one forgets.
0: Me and uh, so before you and I got to record this episode, I had an episode with Brandon Ellis, who I don't know if you know him personally. But he is a tremendous guitar player, and he's on the road with a couple of big machine artists, and he's just a hand-over-fist talented musician. But one of the things he and I had a huge, long conversation about is just the art of the hang, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And
0: being nice to be around will sometimes get you farther than being talented.
1: Yeah, 1,000%. Like, you can be the most talented person in the room, but if you're mean... Or you're not pleasant to be around. And like, if you're socially awkward, like I am, or you're shy, that's that's one thing completely different. Deliberately
0: being rude or difficult,
1: or having an ego. Mm -hmm. I played this one writer's round that shall remain nameless, Um, not yours. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, And I went up to the guy after to be like, hey, thanks for booking me. Um, Like, it was a connection thing. And it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And turns around. That was all I got.
0: Bro, I hate that. Yeah, I
1: was like, I know you through this person. Um, that's why I'm here. And they just like, there was somebody else like the doting on them. And they went back to this person. And I was just like, cool. Thanks, bro.
0: I try my hardest to give everyone part of my time. Yeah. Especially the people who have performed for me. Yeah. They just gave me an hour of their time working for free. Mm-hmm. The least i can do as the person who booked them is be kind and say thank you yeah and ask them how their day is going otherwise yeah it doesn't take that much effort to do the bare minimum
1: right and on the flip side of that like if you're playing somebody's show that they worked hard to put together and promote and give you an opportunity like say thank you yeah
0: (laughs) the number of times i have booked new people Mm-hmm. Who show up one minute before they play, mm-hmm. and then leave the moment they're done. They don't even say goodbye. They don't say thank you. I like, I don't need you to say anything to me to get your jollies off, but I did I I did book you. Yeah. The least you could say is hey thanks. I got a split. Yeah that's that's fine that's
1: fine if you're honest it's like hey i gotta go i've got another gig or i've like i'm meeting someone for dinner like if you just want to go you like you just want to go be like hey thank you so much i have to go you don't have to explain yourself but thank you so much is it takes no time
0: it takes two seconds it does so what we're getting at here is being in nashville is very difficult but the bare minimum is most often times and a lot of times isn't isn't met so it's common if you're, courtesy if you're new to town and you're wondering how to get involved doing one percent more than the bare minimum will yeah. get you will get you it a lot get of opportunity you so
1: far and like i will whenever i have new opportunities because music on the move is constantly looking for new projects like with the podcast with the showcases where we're putting together um a community outreach program that we're gonna do. i can't talk on now because it's not fully formed yet but <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to make promises I can't deliver It's in on. development. It is. Well, it's like it's done. We're just finding all the pieces. Um, but anyway, like I will turn around and give the opportunities to the people who have shown up for me first mm-hmm. rather than like people who came, they played, they left. Like, Oh, you said. I
0: absolutely prioritize people who show up for me.
1: Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? Right. Like I invest my time in you. Why wouldn't you invest your time in me?
0: Brandon said something very similar actually. He said... Uh, I will do things for my friends that I won't do for strangers. Yeah. And it's true. And it it goes beyond more than just, oh, I'll help my friend move. But yeah. I, if my friend <laughs> needs a guitar work or anything like that, or if they need a connection to an artist, our friends w- are willing to do things that f- people who are strangers, if you just go up and knock on the front door of Big Machine they're not going to talk to you. No. But if you have somebody who's already in the room that's your friend, they might, they might ask how they can help. So I know you've got the music on the move and this is a whole company in development, mm-hmm. podcast, studio, mm-hmm. live showcases. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a whole facet of your life that's mm-hmm. independent from Aaron, the artist.
1: It is and it isn't because I've always said if one of them rises, so does the other. Um. Because I perform at the showcases, I've been on the podcast um Katie and I would the podcast is called Paradox Jukebox by the way. oh, okay. I don't know Great. if I've ever named it um, but I think just as an artist, it's you have to think of all the different avenues in which you can promote mm-hmm. yourself, and I didn't start music on the move to promote myself, but it's definitely a perk cool. <laughs> um so my music um. Is, you know, Country Americana, that classic Nashville style. And I had an album come out last year. And it's it's funny because the songs that I put on the album, I've been performing for years. Like, people already knew them before they even came out. I just never recorded them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all songs I had either, like, recorded and then they didn't make it on the album. Or, like, I had loved for years, just never had an opportunity to release them. Like, everybody knows Sunday Crowd. Everybody knows Millie. Like, those okay. two stories. Um, and so... I recorded two music videos for those because I knew those were the songs that people were most excited to hear, you know?
0: Um, Who which, filmed these music videos? Chris Palmer. Okay.
1: Yeah. he um, He's not a videographer by, I mean, he is a videographer, but he's like his main gig actually isn't videography, but he did a really great job on mm-hmm. it because um, he just loves doing it. He's I mean, not
0: trying to make it as a videographer.
1: No, he just enjoys it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great though.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, if he is great, <laughs> but he, uh, he has a, a big boy job nice. as it were. <laughs> were these the music, first
0: music videos that you've ever filmed?
1: No, actually. Um, funny story about my last music video. I recorded it in 2015. Yep, Which was that's right. about
0: 70, 80 years ago.
1: Yeah. Roughly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> approximately. <laughs> and, um, the day I recorded it, I had actually texted my now husband, Matt, because I knew he played bass. and We weren't dating at that point. And I said, hey, I'm shooting a music video tomorrow. I need a, a bassist for the live shot. It was at, I was shooting at my friend's house, my friend Olivia. It was for my song, You're the Only One, which was my first single ever. That's exciting. It was. It was very exciting. It was the first song I ever heard on the radio. That was mine. <laughs> You're um, like, I did it. I did it. I, I was made in, it. The first time I heard that song, I was in bad claim. I had a hat on and they said, we're going to play it around this time. So I downloaded that radio stations app, put in my he- earphones and like just sat there for a second. And I heard, I heard them intro me and I heard them play my song and I'm like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't, it cry, happened. don't, cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And sure thing, I'm like sitting there crying, like <laughs> my hats below my, like over my eyes. And I'm just like waiting for my bag being like, for the love of God, bag, <laughs> come on, because <laughs> I'm losing it. I just like did not make eye contact with anybody because <laughs> no one knew what was happening. Right. Um. But anyway, so I shot the music video and um, it, like I said, it came out in 2015. And the next day, Matt couldn't make it to shoot the video. But he was like, but I'm going to brunch uh, tomorrow with some friends. Do you want to come? I said, sure. I remember very specifically we shot the video on April 11th. Matt and I went to brunch on April 12th. We started dating that day.
0: Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> funny how these things work out.
1: Yeah. So shoot a music video. You might meet your husband. (laughs) (laughs) You might end up with your husband.
0: No, dating in Nashville is something that has come up on the podcast several times. Really? It's horrible. It's terrible.
1: You know what my mom told me when I was dating? She was like, yeah, honey, my last first date was when I was 19 and you're past that. So I don't know what to tell you.
0: I don't understand how people just they're like,
1: I met my boyfriend when we were 17 and we've been married for 13
0: years. And I'm like.
1: I met my my husband like, when I was gosh. 17.
0: So there's a. There's but a, we didn't
1: start dating until we were There's 24. a comedian
0: who has a, a routine about that. It's like, imagine if there's these people who meet their high school sweetheart and they just stay married to that person. Imagine if you had this keep all the things you had when you were 17 like oh I've got to keep this Bob Marley poster up forever
1: <laughs> 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 oh that's funny yeah but yeah.
0: I I it's it's come up because so many of our friends are they're they're madly talented and then it's such a small world when we rub shoulders with the same people at all mm-hmm. of these places it only makes sense that some of them are bound to start dating yeah but I have kind of set this boundary for myself where I don't, I I don't, and I will not date one of the people who plays my show. Yeah. Because I don't want to to ever have it look like. You don't want favoritism. Yeah. Favoritism for one, 100%. But moreover, I don't want people to think that that's a form of currency to perform. Oh, yeah. Because. Absolutely. The entertainment industry has been wrought with people who, oh, you can you can do X, Y, and Z for this guy, and he'll do A, B, and C for you if you do this. And I don't want anything to do with that. No. And separating that has been kind of a weird thing. But now having that boundary, when I do get approached like that, I'm like, business, professional, wall, here's the place where you can apply to be part of my company's thing. Yeah. And I nip it in the bud.
1: And it makes me feel
0: safe and protected.
1: Right. Within my own
0: little ecosphere.
1: Right. And that's smart of you. I mean, with the whole, like, I mean, as women, like, we get approached to be like, hey, yeah. And it's obviously like, absolutely not. But like, as a guy who books women, you have to protect yourself so Mm -hmm. that you won't be accused of that ever. So I think that's super smart.
0: Because I know, I know there are promoters, especially in Nashville, who I've talked to. Yeah. And I've talked to the girls, and the girls are like, oh, no, he said, if I do this, then he will. And I'm like, don't, uh-uh. don't do that.
1: Uh-uh. That ain't it, don't, girls.
0: Don't sell yourself to play at that place.
1: Yeah. I told this one girl who's moving to Nashville soon, I said, writers, uh, co writes are not dates. Yep. And don't let them turn into that. Yep. Because so many I've... people
0: let that happen. Yeah, they cause do. Because you're alone and you're late and you might be drinking
1: yeah
0: and then you just wrote a song about being so lonely and yeah it's, it's a it's not a it's not an accident that some of these guys have used that as a means of getting girls
1: yeah and it's just like you like ladies you gotta be smart protect be smart. yourself like it ugh, dating in nashville is hard because they're <laughs> i'm so glad i'm not doing it <laughs> i'm so sorry to everybody out there from my
0: perspective as a single person it sucks
1: I'm so sorry. The
0: last date that I went on, we went, I went on two dates with this girl. And after the second date, I was under the impression that it had gone well. Oh, no. We we went to a couple of places and had a nice time. And then I texted her the next day and I said, hey, I had a great time last night. I would love to take you out for dinner this weekend. And she responded so uh, pleasantly, calmly. I don't know what the right word is, but she said, oh, thanks. I would love to never see you again. <gasps> Oh, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't even mad. I was more just like, damn.
1: Wow. Blooded. Wow. It was,
0: it was the most brutal rejection I've ever gotten in my life. And I wasn't upset by it, I was flabbergasted.
1: Oh, thanks. I would love to never see oh, you again. Oh, thanks.
0: But I would love to never see you again. Yikes. Oh.
1: I've had dates go wrong for so many different reasons. But I had this one that went so terribly, and he went in to kiss me, and I am so glad that I was just, like, ill.
0: Yeah, no, thank you.
1: Yeah. I had a wisdom tooth growing in wrong, oh. and so I couldn't open my mouth.
0: Oh, God.
1: And he tried <laughs> to go in to kiss me, and I turned my face the wrong way, and he hit right away. Oh. Yeah.
0: Right on the sore spot from the tooth. Yeah, I
1: was <laughs> so I was like, I'm so glad this date went poorly because I look like the asshole right now. But Have he, you ever heard
0: of uh, Mike Birbiglia? Yeah. He's a stand-up comedian yes. who has a routine about uh, why kissing is so awkward when it's like when you're first seeing somebody. Yes. Because the first time you go in for that kiss, you're like, I think that we should connect mouths. <laughs> and then the other person is like, I do not think that we should connect mouths, but here's my face. <laughs>
1: Oh no. Oh no. I had this uh one guy at again, another terrible date, but it was one of those situations where I'm like, How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? How do I leave? How do I get out of this? How do I leave? Uh and he goes in to kiss me and he just comes in too hot and his teeth hit my teeth. And oh. when I say it's just like the most uncomfortable I have ever been.
0: That's that's horrible. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do. Oh uh, when I'm when I'm joking around or like with my friends, I will go in for like the fake kiss, arms spread with the tongue already out
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, no, well, Aaron, no.
0: thank you for joining us on the podcast today thank before you for we go, me. I have one more question, and then we can get to the plugs and stuff, okay, sure, for you personally as the musician,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are there? Are there or is there a place that would be special for you to perform? Like maybe some place where you're from that meant a lot to you when you were getting into music? Is there a venue that would be a landmark for you as a career musician? Other than the Ryman, because <laughs> so many people in Nashville, it's it's the Ryman, it's the yeah. Opry.
1: Um, here's the thing: I've already played it. Oh it, it like, snap! Yeah. So, and it's not the place that you think. If if you're from my hometown of Durham, North Carolina, you already know. But um, so growing up, I'm still a big Duke fan. And we used to go to games. And cool. Cameron Indoor Stadium is like, it's famous, right? Like Cameron Crazy's the whole vibe in there. It's just, it's a different experience. Okay. And it's an electric experience to be in Cameron Indoor during a men's basketball game, right? Just because Coach K is such a legend. Um, and so when i was in college i got i always said i wanted to sing a national anthem at a duke game i actually got the opportunity to sing the national anthem not only at a duke game but it was the duke game against belmont oh that's cool (laughs) um and so and it was while i was still at belmont and because belmont's so small like it's not like at other schools where the athletes have their own classes it's like i was friends with the team right (laughs) i knew a lot of people on the team And um, Coach K was actually my neighbor growing up, and his uh, daughter Jamie was my babysitter, and his other daughter Lindy was uh, my high school teacher. And I was like, you know, a junior, so I wasn't that far removed from high school. And so I go on, I remember very specifically, I go on my mark or whatever. And here's the thing. It was the first home game of the season, which is like Christmas. So it was a packed house. Um, The announcer who had been the announcer For 30 years had just passed And they were honoring him I'm on the court this whole time While they're talking about (laughs) it It was also Veterans Day Or Memorial Day It was like honoring the military I'm like no pressure
0: There's Um, only like 20,000 people here
1: For real though And I look to my right And like I remember my friend Adam goes. He gives me these two (laughs) thumbs up And this big old smile Like as small as he can Um, He was on the team and like I look to my left and Coach K nods at me and I'm like,
0: "It's (laughs) happening.
1: This is happening. This is a real moment." And my thing is, whenever I sing a national anthem, I stare directly at the flag. Otherwise, like, I'm gonna lose my shit. Right? (laughs) 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 It is the hardest song to sing. It like it goes all over the map. Um, But yeah, I got to sing. And after that, actually, for a while, I was a professional national anthem singer Mm -hmm. because. People just kept booking me at Belmont, at Duke. I've sang at Duke, I think, four times now. Um, I've sung at like a Durham Bulls game in Durham, North Carolina. I've sung uh, just recently, actually, last week, I sang at a convention. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, 3,000 people. Um, But, you know, when you get asked that question, nobody really says, oh, the National Anthem at a basketball event. (laughs) <laughs> basketball game, you know.
0: It's cool that you've gotten to actually accomplish one of those goals that that you dreamt of as a kid.
1: Yeah, it was the first time I actually got to accomplish a goal. That's cool. That I I thought of, and then after that, it was like, all right, well, onto the next. Now one. what? For real though, um onto
0: the Ryman, onto the on Opry. To the,
1: but <laughs> crazy thing is, like, yeah, <laughs> onto the Opry for real. um I've I've played Nissan Stadium twice.
0: That's cool too. Yeah. Have you done the, uh, I haven't done the, the stage half-time show, and beneath the
1: jumbotron. Is that it? That's the halftime show. I haven't done that yet. Gotcha. So I would love to play a halftime show for the Titans. If you're listening, I know, you know, I want to, um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Tennessee Titans battle of the bands. Woo. That was Woo! super fun. <laughs> um, but like, obviously like the big stages, like Nissan stadium, Bridgestone, right. Uh, I'm going to be singing the National Anthem at a sounds game soon. Um, I don't have a date yet.
0: <laughs> the Nashville Staples.
1: The Nashville Staples. Like, I would love to, like, headline a show at, like, Marathon Music Works. Right. Um. I just, You've I got have so many you got an insider there, though. He won't book me as a headliner. Are you kidding? <laughs> I have to beg. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Everybody thinks it's like, oh, well, you have an in. I don't.
0: I don't. <laughs> it's I don't. Like that's, it's where he works.
1: Yeah, my husband works for Marathon Music Works, and people are like, oh, well, that's how you get all your gigs. No, it's not. (laughs) He doesn't book me at all.
0: Well, Aaron, give us your plugs. Where can people connect with you, the artist, and with uh, Music on the Move?
1: You can find me as an artist at Aaron McClendon. That's M C L E N D O N. um, On most all social platforms, except on. TikTok, add a music at the end of that, Aaron McClendon Music, and YouTube, that is where you can also find the music videos. AaronMcClendon.com um, and Music on the Move, you can find at Music on the Move Studios.
0: That's exciting. Yeah. More to come from Aaron McClendon and Music on the Move.
1: Thanks so much, Aaron Schilb.
0: My pleasure. <laughs> Y'all, thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. This has been the Nashville Tour Stop. In the meantime, please check us out on the web. You can follow us at NashvilleTourStop.com and find our full list of events. We've got our event calendar there. You can find so much about where we're going to be if you'd like to come meet me in person. We've had people come from all over the country, actually, which is crazy. Thank you for listening to come meet me (laughs) some, <laughs> just some dude wearing skinny jeans and converse but thank you for coming and supporting the nashville tour stop please follow us on your socials at nashville tour stop follow us on your podcast platform share us with your friend I know there's people listening all over now, which is crazy that you would rather listen to me talk to my friends than listen to the music that I've released. But thank you for listening. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Thank you for checking the podcast out. Share it with a pal. Tell somebody about the thing that we do here, which is uh, talk. Please do. Listen. Talk. Coffee. <laughs> coffee.
1: Coffee talk, if you will. But
0: you can also support the Nashville Tour Stop podcast. We've got a Patreon if you would like to subscribe. There are bonus episodes. There's the Indie Starter Pack where I can help you get through some of the preliminary stuff about getting started as an artist. I don't have a lot of knowledge, but I've got a little bit, so I'll share that with you guys as well. But we've got packages starting at 5 bucks. You can help us get a new studio outside of my living room. Yay! (laughs) But in the meantime, please do remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop.